So my name is Jordan Ray, founder and CEO of Limitless Medical Logs. This, 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 this is Diversified, diversified. diversified. Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have a neighbor. Like, I might be able to stretch my arm out if it's long enough and, you know, be able to say, hello, neighbor. I have Jordan Lexi Ray. I just like that name. It sounds like a musician or an influencer. Maybe I'm speaking these things into existence. But she reached out to me on the Neighborhood app. We thank the Neighborhood app for people being friendly and nice. And, you know, her story, her testimony is going to be amazing. So, Jordan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you? I am awesome. I'm awesome. And I just need to have you just jump right into it because your story of entrepreneurship, I want you to give like the whole thing, take your time. But from what you went, you know, from softball, sports, y'all, I I just need you to tell the story because I love the testimony for what I read. Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, born and raised in South Florida. I was born actually in Davie, Florida. So about an hour south, for those who don't know. We moved here when I was like four in Wellington. So I've been here since. Absolutely love it here. Such a great environment. And uh, my parents put me in softball at four years old. I guess I just, I had too much energy. They're like, we need to get her out of the house. She's doing too much. They signed me up for softball. I fell in love immediately. I played at Tiger Shark Cove, so right down the street from both of us, and um, that was where my career started, and like I said, immediately I fell in love with that sport, and I knew that that is what I wanted to do for as long as possible, and um, I got lucky. I had a a 13-year excellent career. I started travel ball when I was nine years old, and um, I was traveling throughout the United States every single weekend for nine years. So I I say I was very blessed with this sport. It really built the foundation um, to prepare me for my unexpected future. So that was kind of the start with uh, sports. And um, I, I wanted to be a D1 athlete. That was the goal. Nine years old, I set that goal to play division one softball, wanted to be on TV, wanted the family and friends to be able to watch. And, um, but that dream got cut short. I, um, was running for a routine play. This was my junior year of high school. I actually, a week before, um, I blacked out on the softball field, my junior year, we actually just got back from touring universities that were interested in me as a student athlete. So the dream was right there. I had it at my fingertips and, um, it was a Tuesday April 13, 2015, I was running for a routine play at third base, and I just blacked out. And I thought I just tripped and fell. I was very clumsy. I've had multiple surgeries prior to that blackout. I thought I just fell. But I, when I got up, I had an excruciating migraine, the first I've ever had. It was like a sword was going through the back of my head. The lights were expanding. The noise was deafening. And I just, I knew something was wrong when I got up and I was walking back to third base. Muscle memory brought me back there. I had no clue who the people were around me. That's when I knew something was really wrong. And I played with these girls since I was 
five, six, seven years old. And I had absolutely no clue who they were. So that was the day that really my life completely changed. And um, yeah. Well, it changed. Tell the people what, what was it? And, you know, how soon did you say, hey, I have to go have surgery? Was it immediate? Because when I was reading it, I'm like, that is, it was scary just to read because you're like, whoa, that, you know, you, you never really expect that, you know, from just playing sports, right? Unless it's violent yeah. football that I played or women's f soccer is very violent too with women getting concussions. But yeah, talk about, you know, what happened and then how long did you, you know, take to get into surgery? Yeah. Uh, so it took, so I told you April 13th was a blackout day. I, I didn't go to the hospital. Um, they took me out of the game for concussion protocol after like four innings. This was the first play of the game that this happened, but I stayed in and I still was foggy. Couldn't remember anything. Didn't know who the people were around me. Um, so I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't go to the hospital. I think I went to an orthopedic like a week later because I was feeling very off. I knew something was wrong. And um, he told me, he's like, oh, it's whiplash. You're fine. You're good. You'll be back on the field. And I was, I loved hearing that. I'm like, great. You know, that's, that's what you want to hear as an athlete. And um, I kept getting migraine after migraine and I had a migraine 50 days straight. And that was the point where it was like, there is something really wrong here. And I got in to see my neurosurgeon in August. We called like a month later but you can't get in right away. So if you see the time frame here, it wasn't immediate. I wanted to give it some time. I thought I'd, you know, recover and get better after maybe two, three weeks. But when I didn't, that's when I said to my mom, we need to make a phone call out to a neurosurgeon or a neurologist, someone. And we got, you know, recommendations. We asked around and it led us to a surgeon in Palms West hospital here in Wellington. And, um, he looked at me the first evaluation. He said, does it hurt to sneeze or cough? I was like, what? And it did. It, it is hell when I sneeze. It's so bad, the pressure in the back of my head. And um, I said, yeah. He's like, I think I know exactly what you have. He's like, I'm going to send you for MRIs. I went for two separate MRIs and then uh, two CAT scans that day. And uh, I come back in September I'm still 17. And he's like, I, I was right. You have something called Chiari malformation. And um, Chiari malformation is a rare neurological disorder where my cerebellum extends into my spinal canal, blocking cerebrospinal fluid to and from my brain. So I blacked out because my head was hyperextended back. But the strangest part of my story is I was actually born with this condition. I never had one blackout or one migraine until that day on the field. And um, I've been playing competitive softball since I was nine. Why did I not have a blackout, you know, before then? So it, it's crazy how everything, you know, aligns and just everything happens in life. Um, but that was the time period. Uh, so September was a diagnosis, this, like the second week in September, uh, the decompression brain surgery was uh, December 1st of that year. So a few months after. Now, this might sound like a silly question, but I have to ask, 
because being a, an athlete throughout my, my whole life, I still consider myself somewhat of an athlete because I, I can still compete with some teenagers. Did the softball, you know, help um, or hurt the situation? Because sometimes staying healthy and being in condition, no matter what your condition is, it's like, well, I'm healthy, I'm an athlete, but, you know, you might be battling something or that might have, you know, elevated it where, you know, it, it just sprouted up and it took, you know, 17 years. So did it help or hurt? Did the doctors say? I, or actually, I actually think it's a little bit of both. And I'll tell you stories for, you know, what I mean. Um, I think, honestly, I could have been driving and I could have turned my neck a certain way and I could have blacked out. So that's where I think it also helped, but could have hurt a little bit. I mean, I, I kind of do say that softball in a way saved my life because can you imagine if I was driving and I blacked out? I could have hurt myself and then others on the road. So that was very scary to hear that. Um, but there is, I really think that softball helped me because, and I'm not going to go into crazy detail of my surgery. That's like the one area I just kind of don't talk about. But what I had was a Chiari decompression. So they take the back of your skull out and put a Dura patch. So someone else's back of their head and they make a bigger opening for that fluid to flow through from your brain to your spine. So that's as far in detail that I will go. But the surgery was December 1st. Um, after the surgery, you're normally in the ICU, intensive care unit, for 10 days to 14 days. I was only in the pediatric intensive care unit for three and a half days. So that is where softball and my body and how strong I was came into play and helped me because the nurses were blown away. And so was my surgeon that I bounced back so quickly. I just wanted to get the hell out of the hospital. You know, you want to be in your bed, but normally you're in there for about two weeks. I was in there for three, three and a half days, four days, and I was out. So that wasn't a silly question. I think that was a great question to ask because that really does tie in athletics how strong our body actually is. And we just don't know. Wow. That, that, that's amazing. And if you guys want to get the full, full detail and want to go into detail, you're going to have to like get the book when it comes out or watch the movie and, and, you know, really <laughs> pressure her and say, hey, look, we want, we want these, these details. Now, after having, you know, if you have brain surgery, that is a serious surgery after yeah. you got healed and everything, how did that change your life and your perspective on things? So in many ways, I actually still am, am sick from with what I'm dealing with. Um, after the surgery, I had about a month period. Well, I was still recovering. It was a, a gnarly recovery. I, um, this was now my senior year of high school, and I pretty much missed about 80% of it. I still graduated, got everything taken care of, but it was intense. And um, after about a month and a half scar tissue started to build up at the surgery incision. And um, I started to get really bad migraines again to this day, six days later, I still have about two to three debilitating migraines per week. I have terrible neck and back pain and I have random symptoms like numbness and tingling. So nerve damage, things like that from um, the surgery. So I know when someone hears me say that, they're like, but why would you get the surgery? One, I was pediatric. So it was physicians 
and my family's decision. Um, but two, it goes back to the, I could have been driving and made a turn and blacked out. So after the surgery, I won't ever have a blackout again. So it's, it, it, you're kind of between a rock and a hard place. You know what I mean? So, um, but that's where I, the pivot came with starting a business. I lost everything, my sport, all my scholarships and my health literally in one afternoon in September when my surgeon said, you will never be able to put your softball uniform on again. And, um, I think the pivot came actually when I was in the pediatric ICU, I said, you know what, I'm going to turn this into something and I'm going to help others in my shoes. And, um, during that time I saw the need for better patient doctor communication and improved symptom tracking on the patient side. And, uh, that was when I made the decision, I'm going to turn this into something to help others. That's, that's amazing. What about, you know, and we're going to get into the entrepreneurship stuff because I know folks who listen and majority of you are listeners. You're like, whoa, this is a great story. Let's talk about the business. I'm going to get there. Whether you're listening on iTunes, iHeart, our latest partner at AYV Radio in Freetown, Sierra Leone. But I, I want to know, a lot of people have to wait later in years to find out who is really their friend, who's their tribe, who's rocking mm-hmm. with them. Um when you had that surgery, did you see, you know, your players, were they supportive people you've played with since you were nine? Or did you really find out who your friends were? You really do find out who your friends are when you have brain surgery. I will tell you that much. Um, I had a great support system early on. And then after the years go by, you kind of see them fade away where it's like, it's kind of annoying that she's dealing with this. You know what I mean? So I noticed that and I noticed that very quickly, but the first few, like one to two years, I had an incredible support system, but you really do find out who your friends are. And and a lot of them did fade away just because they don't want to have a friend that's in so much pain, so sick, you can't help them. So, and I do in a way understand where, they were not in my shoes. They couldn't understand what I was going through. They couldn't help me uh, the way I needed. But yeah, you really do learn who your friends are and even family too. So, um, but the support system I have right now to this day, I'm so grateful for, and they've really, you know, uh, been a rock to me. I, I, I love to hear that you found your tribe early in life and, you know, you can still find it just because so many people, young and old, spend so much time, you know, and especially with this Internet, everyone's looking great, beautiful, and people are, you know, fabulous life. But if you lose all of that, you'll really find out who will try to hold you up. Now, getting into the business when did you say, you know what, I'm going to create a business because here you are, you just had brain surgery, relax, sit back, you know, you can feel sorry for yourself for a while. Um, what inspired the business and, you know, who was rocking with you to help you, you know, bring the business up? Well, I was so used to go, go, go. So like with you saying relax, you know, you just had brain surgery, calm down. That's just not how I grew up. I was just always busy, always doing something, always pushing myself and being outside of my comfort zone. So it, it really was when I was in the pediatric ICU when I said, listen, I'm, I'm turning this into something. And um, it took me a little bit from after that decision. I mean, I didn't 
you know, jump into it immediately. I think maybe three months after what I did was I, um, I kept my idea quiet for a very long time. And in that period, I was a freshman in, in college and I, there was this business professor I had, her name was Debbie. And I still talk to her to this day. Absolutely love her. I just felt so comfortable around her. And I said, Debbie, professor Debbie, I have an idea and I, I have a business idea and I don't know what to do with it. And she said, you know what? I'm going to send you to the SBDC out of FAU. And, um, her, the advisor I'm with, her name's Debbie too. It's funny how it all <laughs> lines up. And I have been with her. She has been my consultant and it's completely free. So if anybody here is a college student with a business idea, turn to the SBDC and they're out of FAU, I think. I'm not sure if they're anywhere else, but she is the reason that my business is where it's at today. She kind of told me, here's the foundation but she never did it for me. She would guide me, but I had to do it all, which was brilliant and exactly what I needed. So that was kind of the first starting point. Everybody always asked me, what was that first step you took? And it was really telling the right person who connected me um, with another person. So to answer the question is, I figured out how to build my network appropriately. I love it. I love it. You mentioned, you know, the the help. I, I mentioned, uh, and, and I want you to clip that part out and send it to Debbie. She'll love it so she can show her bosses. Because I tell people all day, SCORE, PTAC, SBA, mm -hmm. before, you know, all of this COVID stuff, these are people you need to know and you need to understand the terminology, uh, whether you're doing government contracting or not. But so many people don't use them and it's free services, it as is, Jordan said. Score. As I forgot to mention SCORE. They, I joined with them maybe a year after starting the business, um, but I completely forgot about SCORE. And I can't tell you how many times I say to someone who's like, hey, I have a business idea. Like they want me to consult them. I'm like, listen, I can't do it right now. Go to SCORE. Have you ever heard of it? Everybody says no. So SBDC that we're talking about and SCORE is brilliant um, for the anybody, but especially where I was as a college student, you know, not knowing where to turn. Yeah, they, they should really teach this in middle school, high school at mm -hmm. the latest and college, but you don't get this information in college. And it's the reason why I tell people after paying Sally Mae back all of her money <laughs> um, after that, you know, grad program that you really have to, you know, know why you're going to school and that right. school is not really there to teach you. It's there to test you in real life happens you have to want to look for that knowledge and guess what people the people may not always sound like you sound because in government contracting they have a whole different language you have to go learn yeah um so tell us about your business and you know how can people um buy it how it can help them with all their their medical um health information yeah absolutely so what we do is we provide paper medical journals and um they're let's say you cut a piece of paper in half, eight inches by 11 inches, cut that in half. It, it's a little paper journal that's for a full year where a patient like me, I can go document every detail about how intense my migraine was, where it was located, 
where my back pain is, your back is massive. If you go to the doctor and say you have back pain, you're not getting anywhere. Those outcomes are just not going to, you know, work in your favor. So I really spent a lot of time. I spent two years kind of testing this product, going to doctor's offices, giving it to people I knew who were sick and going to doctors. The whole point is you see a doctor, you see them again in three months. What happens in that three-month period is so vital to your, um, like I said, the outcomes and um, how the doctor prescribes or diagnoses. So we provide the paper medical journals, and we also have a digital app. Right now, um, the app is in beta. We have a small group testing it. And the paper medical journals, you can go to limitlessmedicallogs.com. I actually have the website under contract, under uh, construction right now. I always like spending a few months out of the year completely redoing it based on feedback we get from our um, customers. So for right now, you can just follow us, Limitless Medical Logs, on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and then you'll get notified when the website uh, goes live again. Um, But I'd be happy to answer any more detailed questions on the product or anything oh, oh yeah it's coming because i i can hear the haters it's a gift and so the haters are going to say hey kellen you know i can't write i need it on an app so the app tell us some of the challenges and you know do you need venture money angel money to get the app where you want it because i can hear the sharks from shark tanks now saying huh how do we make money off this kevin wants yeah, a royalty i know well Um, so it's funny how you just said the haters with, Oh, I need technology. I can't write. It's actually funny though. This type of product I've noticed doing, I do a lot of tests and a lot of studies. More people are gravitating for the paper medical journal because when you're sick, it just does something where you can visually see the progress or lack of, you know, in your own little journal. But To answer your question, um, everything actually has been self-funded. When I was little, I've saved, you know, the birthday money, holiday money. I always saved. I paid the bills, you know, whatever I had. Um, And I am considering the venture route for the app because I just, my mind, there's so much in there with what I want to do with this company. Um, But for right now, just the beta testing, self-funding, but I am open to the venture capitalist side and because I, I want this company to be huge. And I really, I mean, the whole point of this is to help people. And uh, I think I was placed on this earth to make a change in the healthcare industry and, and help people like myself who are really struggling with their health. Well, she's open to the vulture capital. I mean, the venture capital. So (laughs) floridafunders.com. Check that out. Uh, I would definitely say uh, I might be a a small, small member there. And, you know, it's it's for Florida tech companies. And so that's why I ask, because there are some really good deals going through there. And I I haven't seen them be like some there's real vultures out there in venture who just want to, you know, here's the money shut up and we're going to kick you out of your company. And I've interviewed many of people like that. And um, I haven't seen Florida funders, you know, act like that at all. What are some of the concerns for you though? If you did take venture money, is this a business where if you got, you know, X billion dollars, you're like, I'm great. And I'm off to my next venture. Or is it something you always see yourself being involved with? Um, 
I would like to sell it. Yeah, I want to build it up and sell it. But there's um, there's so many products and pieces to this business that I want to grow before I get to that point of selling it. So, and and to be honest, because I know the listeners here could be thinking, well, what was why was she hesitant early on to get funding? And um, to answer that question is because of what you're saying, the vultures. And um, I I wanted someone to fall in love with me. This company, I'm very mission driven. We are for profit. I need someone who is like me, who really wants to help people. So I just maybe me being young and naive, I didn't think there was really anybody out there that could do that. Um, but realizing now, a few years later, that there are people out there, I just have to be very cautious. So just to be upfront and honest, you know, if any listeners has that question. Um, but I am very open to it now. I realize that I can't do this alone. You do need a lot of money for a tech company. And, um, but it's more of, I want to not do this alone. I want to have support and I want to, um, really dig into others networks. And you've built this up. I, I have to say, I saw this on LinkedIn that, you know, you have employees, so you do have that support there. And that's a great thing. And, and that right there in itself. Now, this next question is, you know, you've answered it, but I've got to ask it anyway. It's my signature yeah. question. What's a community give back that you are doing with your company or that you would like to do in the future? Well, I actually do a lot. <laughs> So, um, I, I'm not sure. Well, with you being in Wellington, you've probably seen the village clock, that massive clock. And yeah. So September is Kiari awareness a month. The condition I have our ribbon colors purple. I actually got a proclamation put in place that all of September, that clock is lit purple to spread awareness for Kiari malformation. And those who feel like they don't have a voice who have this condition. I have a voice. I'm going to use it. So that was one of the things that I've done. I do a lot of work with um, cancer patients, especially pediatric cancer. Um, when I was 16, my mom had breast cancer. So I actually saw the need for the company then when I was 16 years old. But that was at the peak of my athletic career. I didn't know what to do. Um, so I do a lot of support with pediatric cancer, breast cancer, um, and then I created a chronic illness forum right before COVID hit. It was February 2020. I brought like 250 people together to talk about advocating for chronic illness patients. I had hospital CEOs. I had politicians there. I had people from Tallahassee there. So I feel like I'm just getting started with the community. Um, but I really think doing these types of interviews, getting my story out there and doing as much keynote speaking as possible. Um, that is where my next community focus will be. Um, and then obviously writing my book. Yes. Now you say keynote speaking and I'm thinking, you know, where's her Ted talk? Is she at Toastmasters, uh, NSA? Where are you in your public speaking journey? So it's actually funny. I did my first uh, public speaking event in Wellington. It was at the International Polo Club. Um, there was, I think, maybe 150 business executives there. I was 19, no, I was 20 years old. And I was on the panel. It was like a generation panel. I'm Gen Z. So Gen Z, Gen Y, 
all of that. And um, that was my first keynote. And the adrenaline rush that I got, like I signed up for it. I'm like, I'll do it. I've never done one before. I will do it. I did it. The adrenaline rush it gave me, it was the same as playing third base, you know, at, at softball. Because you play third base, that's that hot corner. You have to have that adrenaline rush. And I always said, I need to find something that gives me that same rush. And um, after that speech, I got a call to do um, a business expo in Fort Lauderdale. And my next one was 1,500 people in the audience. So I was 21 at that point. So speaking in front of 1,500 people, 21 years old, and I just kind of kept going up and up. And um, I've done four keynote speeches as of right now. COVID really affected it. I mean, I started this a year and a half before COVID. And um, you're not really doing in-person keynotes anymore. So I'm hoping to get back into it. Now, when you started, because it's one thing to play a game, you know, hit a ball, catch a ball, maybe rough somebody up if they're mm -hmm. coming into home plate like I used to do as a catcher. Um, what did you do to prepare yourself? Because so many entrepreneurs now, you see it on Instagram. Oh, I retired at 21 and my parents, I retired them and bought their yeah. house and all this grandiose, you know, BS and malarkey. Um, what did you do to prepare to be able to become the best speaker that you be? can become right now. I actually did a lot of podcast interviews um, and like the TV media interviews before I even did a, a keynote speech. And that was actually when I realized that I'm actually pretty good at this and I'm not an expert. You know, we all have to start somewhere, but I'm very natural on camera, which I didn't, I had no clue I was. And, um, I can figure out a way to really tell a story and grab an audience. So I figured that out while doing podcasts and newspaper interviews before my first keynote. But I think I have the mindset of, I'm just going to say yes and figure it out later. And that's kind of what it was with that keynote. I practiced, you know, I, I spoke in the mirror, but I, when I got up there, it was just so natural. Yes. I was very nervous. I'm not going to lie, but it was very natural answering the questions. I thought that, you know, people respected me for even being up there at, at 21 years old. So I always say that your mindset is 50% of any battle, whether it's you're going into brain surgery or you're going to, you know, do a keynote speech. It's your mindset and the confidence that you have going into um, whatever it is. Well, definitely, definitely is, you know, for everything that you do, the, it starts with the mind. But, you know, when you're speaking in a time where anything can get you canceled, unless you're yeah. Joe, Joe Rogan, Howard Stern, Whoopi go. Well, let me take Whoopi back. Maybe if you're a female, you can get, you know, uh, canceled. But it, it's that you have some people like to choose their words wisely. I, right. I can't I can't be canceled because I was never looking for approval or acceptance from anybody. I'm going to be me. If you don't like it, change the channel. Don't come to me. Casa, tire la puerta. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, um, whatever. But um, I just want you to put that out there because with female speakers, the more bold you are still to this day, some people are like still shocked. And it's yeah. like, no, women are people and people have opinions and they got to say what they got to say. Let them say it. 
the way they need to say it. And, um, you know, I'm not a fan of cancel culture of anyone because I thought we had freedom of speech. But that's my my own soapbox. Um, I'll take it to London when they get when it's too much. And I'll sit on my, you know, and I'll be in Leicester Hall or Chester Park, whatever it is. I forgot. Tell the people where, you know, the website's going to come back up. Mm -hmm. This interview, by the time you guys listen to this and get it and share it with your friends, the website may be up. Where can they get a limitless log so they can, you know, um, stay current? Yeah, so you're going to purchase it through the website. Uh, So limitlessmedicallogs.com. When that website is up and running again after some construction, uh, you can get it there. I actually get a lot of gift orders. Um, it's a really nice thing when, oh, so-and-so was just diagnosed with cancer or diabetes. Let's send them a, a, a medical journal. And, um, so yeah, that's where you get it. And listen, feel free to follow me on Instagram personally. After I do these shows, I love getting like little DMS from people, you know, thank you for sharing your story. And I thought, I think that's where what you just said, being bold and, you know, getting it out there. I was very hesitant early on to share because, once it's out there, it's out there. So um, I'm at the point where I love getting, you know, the thank yous and people sharing their story with me. So my DMs are open. If you have a story that you want to share, send it over to me and I will get back to you. And just so the audience knows, I know she said it's in beta, but you can go to your Play Store. You see, I'm Team Android and download it. See, you know, play with it if it allows you to and and see the sky is the limit. And I, I definitely can't wait to see you on a shark tank saying how you want to change the world, whatnot. You guys, we're going to take this conversation off air. Sometimes I tell you that's where the best juice and meat of the conversation is told behind the scenes, but that's where, you know, we, we really get into it, but I want you to share this with somebody. It will change their life. Jordan, I thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hi guys, I'm Kai Gabiam from the Diaspora Channel, a lover of Africa. If you love Africa as well, and you would love to visit one day or to relocate to Africa, there is a course out there for you. And this course is my first trip to Africa, a course well put together by a seasoned traveler, Kellen Cash. Coleman. This course is designed to prepare you to travel better, which will save you both time and money. And the great news is this course costs only $20, guys. It can't get any better. Go right now and enroll to this course at www.diversifygame.com. Don't miss out. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifyGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.